Hi there. Welcome back to Turd Polisher. Today's guest is a very special and talented, handsome human being. You may know him from such bands as Not To Reason Why. Trebuchet and big bonus. How did I end up with someone as sick as you? And he's also on the show <laughs> as producer, engineer, and co-host. Please welcome Navid Manucheri. Navid, it's me. Hello. So, uh, today's episode is super special, Navid, as you know, because our guest is you, and we're talking about your least favorite song, which is... My least favorite song, I think, has been well-documented so far, but it is The Joker by the Steve Miller Band. Some people call me the space cowboy. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah. I love it. A real stinker. <sighs> yeah, I'm not a fan of this song either. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> so, bye. <laughs> oh, the uh, end. <laughs> but I'll say that I was a fan of this. And when I was a little kid, oh. I listened to Steve Miller Band and I had the CD. My brother liked it and so, so did I. Of course. Looking back, I don't really understand why. I think probably my brother, this is my older brother now I'm talking about. I assume when he was little, it would come on in the car. He'd be like, I like this. <laughs> Or something. And right. then like, he like continued listening to it with, you know, of his own volition. Eventually, I assume he stopped. Though, honestly, I can't. He probably still thinks this is a classic, but I myself grew out of it. And they also actually do a version of Miley's favorite song, which is Sweet Home Alabama. It's really interesting. There's some crossover there. Yeah. It's fucking terrible. It doesn't yeah. rival the Leonard Skinner version, but it's close. But anyway, I don't know what I saw in Steve Miller then, but I don't really see it now. Yeah, I think the... Like, their other songs are fine. You know, Fly Like an Eagle. I wanna fly like an eagle. Sure. Whatever. Take the money and run. Go on, take the money and run. Fine. Doesn't That's... bother me. But The Joker, I don't know, it's just like such a nothing of a song. I can't understand why it's so popular. And why people like it so much. And I think just being from around here and Steve Miller Band being from around here, there's just an extra, here being the Bay Area. Sure. Uh, you know, there's an extra layer of people being really into them. And it's just one of those songs that I would like, you know, you're like out at a restaurant or like, you know, we would go to like Lagunitas and I would always hear this on there. Mm-hmm. And people are just, they get so into it. And I think it's because of marijuana culture being oh. part of it, too. Oh, sure. The, the toker, yeah. I'm a midnight toker. Which I'm not against that at all. But I think that just you know, that adds to people's love of the song. And it was brought to my attention that this song was on a playlist at a restaurant that I worked at. Mm-hmm. Which is also probably why it's just such a turn off to me. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, obviously, yeah, it's going to be the song. 
not the whole band or the album or whatever, but mm-hmm. I feel like Steve Miller Band's songs are all kind of the same, you know, or really, really similar. Like it's very much, is this like, would you consider this yacht rock? I think it's pre-yacht rock. Okay. It doesn't have like the glossiness. It's a little too underproduced, which is part of the my issue with it too. It's just like, to me, just sounds a little sloppy. It's a little too ambling. I think the bass line's neat. Yeah. It's sort of reggae almost. It's kind of got that like, yes. kind of similar to like um, Hotel California. You know, the way that it's right. like vaguely reggae. Like, doom, doom. Yeah. Do, do, doom, doom. Do, do, doom, doom. That whole deal. Totally. It's very like mid-tempo. It's, it's So it's boring. It's interesting. You know, I mean, it's, is the whistle thing triggering for you? I mean, I think it's silly. I mean, I'll say yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. maybe more open-ended would be like, what about this song is the part that like, you're like, eek, when you hear it, if not the whistle thing. Right. I mean, the whistle's not great. For me, it's just the whole composition just feels so slapped together. Like nothing about it hooks me like musically at all. It's just like a rambling song and I hear it all the time. Yeah, I'm not trying to get hung up on the Yacht Rock thing, but yeah. to me, this actually this band is in a really similar part of my brain as Steely Dan. I like your picture. I keep it with your and, and I hate Steely Dan. I really do. And it's, mm. it's controversial amongst other musicians because so many musicians love Steely Dan yeah. and, and the Purdy Shuffle. <laughs> People that I look up to and, you know, um, contemporaries of mine and whatever else, like Steely Dan is one of those untouchable, incredible seminal bands. For sure. And I I just think they fucking suck. And um, I see why, like musically, totally, there's a lot going on there. But the dude's voice and the way he sings and the way they layer their voices, that kind of like, is it cadence? That kind of place where they the voice sits is really similar to me as where Steve Miller's voice sits. Cause I'm a picker, I'm a grinner, I'm a lover, and I'm a sinner. Mm-hmm. I know it's a different voice, but it's still in my brain, like it's in that range. Got it. It triggers me in a similar way. I'm a Steely Dan neutral, Okay, I'd say. That's fair. But again, like Steely Dan is super produced. They're notoriously like super meticulous in studio. Hundreds of takes of guitar solos and stuff like that. And that's fine. Mm-hmm. I'm totally cool with that sort of production. To me, this song, The Joker, seems like the complete opposite. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I get that for sure. Where it's got more jam band vibes to me than it does Yacht Rock. Right, right. Jam band in the sense that they kind of stumbled into it. Exactly. They're like, hey, play that one bass line for the whole song. That's cool. Just keep playing it. Yeah. And again, like I'm not against like, you know, a repetitive bass line, an ostinato, if you would. I won't. Okay, well, I tried. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess actually this song and probably most other Steve Miller band songs that I've heard really rest on the laurels of these are good songs and they aren't good songs. Do you know what I yeah. mean? Like musically, like that whole bar rock jam band, just whatever, dad's jamming vibe is sort of like, it doesn't matter if the singer and the songs are like good. One could argue that Bob Marley songs are, are boring, but they're good. You know, I mean, maybe that's a bad comparison because I love that stuff. But um, there's lots of bands that 
back up their front person and the front person, their songwriting and what they're saying is the focal point and therefore carries it. So it maybe wouldn't matter. Like Bob Dylan, whether or not you're a fan of his or not, what he's saying and singing about is what you're listening to. You know what I'm saying? It's not really totally. about like how shredding his band is. Yeah. And I mean, there's a lot of bands like that. Um, but I feel like Steve Miller band is considering themselves one of those bands. But the problem is Steve Miller is not really a talented guy. And so there's nothing really, there's not a lot of substance there. You know what I mean? Like, what is this song about? Do you know? You must've done some research. Oh, I did some research. Perfect segue into our uh, song facts section. This feels weird, just the two of us. I know. But here we go. Song facts. So, of course, talking about the Joker by Steve Miller Band that is written by Steve Miller, and their songwriting credits to Eddie Curtis and Ahmet Ertgun. Produced by Steve Miller. This was released in 1973. This song reached number one on the Billboard Hot 100 for one week <laughs> in January of 1974. It dethroned... The song Time in a Bottle by Jim Croce. If I could save time in a bottle. Which is also not great. You're not going to think of it. It's a nothing song. But he's the guy that did the tug on Superman's cape song. You don't tug on Superman's cape. You don't spit into the wind. He's like a folk, folk guy. At the same time on the charts, we had uh, Ringo Starr's extremely problematic, You're 16, You're Beautiful in Your Mind. You're 16, you're beautiful, and you're mine. mine. (laughs) I don't think I know that one. And then, you know, like disco was happening at this time. There's like a bunch of Barry White stuff on the charts. I've heard people say Stevie Wonder's Living for the City was at number eight. Just enough, just enough for the city. Well, that's good. That's a good, good song. That's a great song. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, there was other better music, in my opinion, happening at this time. I mean, And this song just ambled its way on, on up the charts and landed at number one. Steve Miller Band started in Chicago as like a Chicago blues band. And then they moved to San Francisco in 1966 and really jumped on the whole Grateful Dead scene that was uh, starting around then. So the lyrics of this song, the whole opening line, they're all references to previous Steve Miller songs. I think they had six or seven previous albums released. Before this, okay, so they they moved to San Francisco. They became like local bar band legends, and then they backed up Chuck Berry at the Fillmore. Oh my ding-a-ling, everybody singing. I wanna play with my ding-a-ling-a-ling. Oh wow! And they got a record deal through that. Wow, I know, right? And so they released a bunch of just like blues rock jam albums. And then they released this album, which started yielding them hits. So this was their first hit song. So Space Cowboy is one of their song titles. Wait, Gangster of Love was a song title. I'm a gangster. A gangster of love. Oh, I'm so- Enter Maurice. Maurice is the only word. All from earlier albums. Mm. So those lines are callbacks to other songs of their own 
which no one had ever heard before this. <laughs> of course. Unless you're a serious Miller head, as uh, nobody calls it, I'm sure. I think the most famous line is, because um, I speak of the pompatus of love. Because I speak of the pompatus of love. This was taken from a song called The Letter by the Medallions. And discuss the pompatus of love. In the letter, the lyric is the puppetuses, which is a paper doll erotic fantasy figure, okay. which was a made up term, but Steve Miller misheard it as pompatus <laughs> Come and put on. it in the song. Yeah, that's the real life story about where that word comes from. So it's a made up word, the pompatus of love, which comes from another made up word, puppetuses. And here we are. Amazing. And then Fatboy Slim did a cover of this in 2005, which peaked at number 32 in the UK. Some people call me the space cowboy. <laughs> Big question why, obviously, why? comes to mind, but. Yeah. Cool. Well, so I guess you've probably thought about this a lot. Yes, I have. This has been your, <laughs> this has been your least favorite song forever. I guess the question is, what ideas do you have about covering this, this beautiful piece of music? Yeah, so... Like I mentioned, I think the best part of this song is the bass line. So my thought for this has kind of always been doing like a a Devo style cover of this. Mm. Kind of like electropop weird. Because the lyrics are so, so dumb. Like basically make Dare to be Stupid. But make it, but this song. I yeah. love it. So like Some people call me Maurice This sort of vibe Yeah, I think that could be fun I think it would fit the lyrics a bit better Taking up the tempo a bit Giving it a bit of like a a locked in groove Yeah, yeah, straightening it out And taking the kind of almost reggae element out Yes Yeah, I think that's a I mean, I think that's a great idea It would be really fun to do Devo Vokes Dare to be stupid. Yeah. <laughs> you seen the um, behind the music clip? Yes, I just Mark saw. Mark Mothersbaugh's talking about that song. It was the most beautiful thing I'd ever heard. He sort of re-sculpted that song into something else. And um, I hate him for it, basically. I like seeing Weird Al talk about it. Because you and me always talk about that. But he was like, I do this kind of thing where it's sort of like style parodies, he called them. Yes. I was like, yes, he does that. I like those because they bl- they blur like I don't want to say blur, but they're the glue between his actual just original songs. You know, mm-hmm. you get kind of confused when you listen to a Weird Al record where you're like, okay, this is a parody of this song clearly, and then you're like, this is a parody of just like this band, and then you're like, this right. is just yes. him. This is just like one of his songs, which yeah, like this is really good. <laughs> yeah, those are. I mean, you know, those are my favorite ones. Those are mm-hmm. the originals are the best. Okay, cool. Well, I mean, I, I don't have any, I don't have any disagreements with you about style, but for for good measure, I feel like I should think of some other direction just in case. Even though I know this is going to be the, it's going to be great. But um, yeah. if I was gonna pick a direction that was different, would I? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I might. <laughs> at the top of my head, I might make it like a Del Shannon song or something like. I like an oldie. You know, like mm. like a fifties, very positive, jolly song. Yeah, but I don't think that would really solve any problems necessarily. But um, Dway, doom, boom. 
That's yeah. Like almost like um, Mr. Blue Sky. Mr. Blue Sky. Or like Wake Me Up Before You Go Go. Kind of vibe. You know, like very shit eating grin vibes. Yes. I don't know if that, like I said, I don't know if that's going to save anything, but it might just be some people coming, Maurice. Some people coming, space cowboy. That kind of energy. Right. Just, I think the song, the song in itself carries a certain half-assedness, which offends me. So, yes, leaning any direction would make it better. Right. Okay, cool. So anyway, um, we'll work on the demo and then we'll talk again. Yep. Sounds good, buddy. Hey, I'm back with my guest, Navid Manucheri. What's up, dude? Oh, you know, we're here. We did it. We labored over the song, your your song, The Joker by Steve Miller Band, and um, we had some ideas. Yeah, so our idea was to do a Devo-ish version of this, and I took a stab at it, and whatever what I came up with wasn't that at all, um, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that's sometimes how the creative process works, and it kind of turned into more of like a, I don't know, a little more post-punky type cover of it. You can listen to it right here right now. like Bauhaus or something kind of goth yeah so that's the version I kind of fell into and I mean it's fine whatever and then you took a stab at it and did a a more Devo-ish cover <laughs> which is here <laughs> I mean, Which she, is yeah. way more in line with the Devo concept that we had. Yeah, and and I mean it's completely obnoxious. I mean, I I don't think I don't think regular Devo is that obnoxious, but no, um, <laughs> no, but it's close. It's pretty accurate. It's just um, we had even by then decided on a different direction because you had sent the Bauhausy kind of one. I say Bauhaus like I know what they sound like, but I've barely heard them. Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll use a different example. <laughs> you still like the New Order one or whatever. And and then like you also sent another option, which was sort of like way more dance kind of poppy, right? Yeah, kind of like a slower kind of synth pop. Mm-hmm. I'd say a mid-tempo synth pop jam. Oh, 
what we ended up doing. Like heavily vocoded. Yeah. At that point, I, I just did the Devo just to kind of like let let me just hear what actual like Devo style would yeah. actually sound like. But never with the intention of actually using it. But yeah, so the synth pop version is what we ended up actually doing. Because with the other two versions, the music wasn't palatable enough mm-hmm. for me to get over the the lyrics of the song. And I think it almost made it more stupid. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the synth-pop version, I mean, the lyrics are really dumb. Yeah, and I think you were saying that a lot of the lyrics are sort of like callbacks to other Steve Miller songs. Correct. But, <laughs> like, I didn't go back and listen to those songs. Anyway, maybe it makes sense somehow if you're like a if you're like a hardcore fan, you're kind of like, oh, I get mm-hmm. it. Um, but yeah. but yeah, as is like as a listener of this song, I'm like, what the hell is going on? And even like later singing them, I was like, I'm a picker. What is he talking about? Like what? What the hell are you like, talking about? Like picking a guitar? First thing I thought it was like someone who picks the like label off their beer when they're nervous oh. at a party. <laughs> because I am a picker. That's funny. But then like next thing I would think of was like someone who picks their nose. Oh, that's funny. Or like they're scabs. Or like a, a picker is someone who goes to garage sales and buys stuff to flip it. That's a picker. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. So you think that's... So maybe Steve's really into estate sales. Yeah, okay. Well, that makes sense. But you know what I mean? Like, I guess that's pretty ambiguous and it's not, it's not giving you a lot. Like, as far as like a song that's sort of saying like, this is all the stuff that I am. I don't understand almost any of the stuff that right. he's saying he is. So anyway, yeah, lyrically like... Didn't seem like maybe the lyrics were the most offensive part to you. They weren't, but they might be now. Now that uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now that we've changed the rest of it, and I had to hear the lyrics over and over again, it's just like, mm, like these are also not great. Yeah, I mean, for me, I don't know if I'm jumping ahead here, but like singing on it, I was sort of like, ooh, I really want to massage the phrasing as much as possible yes. to make it very different from the original. Some people call me the space. Cowboy, yeah. Almost to even like further shroud in mystery the lyrics. Like, you know, make them even less important somehow, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And we did do some heavy processing on the vocals. Baby, baby. Mm-hmm. Which I think helps shroud the lyrics a bit. Yeah. We're creating a, as the, as the youth say, creating a vibe more so than we're, we were like making a song. That's kind of the approach I was taking with it. I mean, it's still very much like pop songs, got verse, chorus, all that stuff. But I was trying to turn my attention from the song aspect of it to just like the the feel and the groove of it. Let's let's backtrack a little bit here. Okay, so we sort of decided on a direction mm-hmm. based off like the two directions you picked, one of which you thought was Devo. And then we admitted that it wasn't very Devo. I did a Devo yeah. just for fun. Then the other one that was left was sort of just this like, I would say like a very deeply Navid style, synthy, poppy. This is just what comes out of you. Maybe that had an authenticity to it, even just right there. So that felt like a good direction to go. I think for me, like it was like, okay, mm-hmm. let's go with the direction that it's sort of being pulled by Navid's inner self. So we decided, okay, out of the three, <laughs> that's the one. Yeah, I think I sent you a pretty formed demo of it, which is here. It's like, this is the, I think the first thing I sent you. 
People call me the space cowboy Some call me the gangster of love It's wonderful. <laughs> yeah, so I, pre- I believe when I received that, I was like, yes, this is great. Yeah. And it also reminded me of Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros. Yeah, the little lead. Yeah. Which was my like interpolation of the baseline from the original Joker. Mm. It's not exactly it, but it's the same notes. So then, like, so then I think you redid the vocals. Yes, we didn't deviate too too much from that version of it. Like that's the bones of it are all there. Mm-hmm. I think we just kind of changed around a, a bit of like what comes in at what part, you know, the, the bells and whistles of it. Right. I added some different synth parts as far as like arpeggiators. Yeah, yeah. And then I think I was like, I would do the vocals a little differently phrasing wise because I'm like such a fucking mm-hmm. diva, you know? I'm like, so. Of course. You know how I am. I'm just like. Yeah, well, you're really coming to your own as a as a vocalist right now, so. You know, we yeah. So okay, so I laid down my vocals. Well, don't you worry, baby, baby, cause I'm right here. I had a lot of fun with it. It was really funny and right here at home. Definitely. Yeah, I think that's basically it. I think most of the like work that went into this was sort of like tweak this, tweak that, tweak that. As far as like how it's mixed, exactly. how it's how it's yep. processed. And so you you and I went back and forth a little bit like that and yep. sort of, oh, there's too much of this effect, change that. Or there was one keyboard sound you used that had sort of like a grating sort of. That's right. I had like a kind of pulsing. That made it a little more like EDM, like, well, like club dance track was kind of was going for. Yeah, and, um, yeah. But then you actually re- replace it with a different pulse C one. Well, I replace it with kind of like a stuttering synth sound. Yeah, so we did that, and then and then we sent it off to Paul, right? I mean, basically, like to final mix. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And final mix was, there was some back and forth a few times too, of sort of like Paul put his own processing on the vocals that I thought was like way too much. And I think Paul added some formant shifting. How do you explain it? You can make a voice sound thinner or deeper than its original timbre, which is fun because I think anything to distract from the lyrics of the song mm-hmm. is good. So, and, th- and that's basically it, right? I mean, I'll definitely turn this question on to you, which is the most yeah. important answer. But for me, I feel like I like our version a lot more than I like the other version because when I put it on, I'm not pissed i'm sort of yeah. like you know and i'm not like I'm, i don't have the same relationship with you that mm-hmm. wait i don't have the same relationship with the song as you do but mm-hmm. um i still totally don't like it so i can safely say like i i dislike the original and i like our cover just fine not that i'm yeah. like oh my god 
or geniuses or anything. Though I was like, this was so fun. I think that we should start like a project that's like this. So right. I think that's sort of problem solving and definitely out of my wheelhouse. This was like really fun for me to just sing and then sort of talk about like this sounds this way and try to like mm-hmm. bone up on my vocabulary as far as like how to discuss stuff. I'm not great at it. Obviously, I don't, I'm still working on it. But, you know, like it was sort of like, oh, I don't know how to talk about this well. And I have something I want to learn to talk about mm-hmm. better, I guess. Totally. Like the music production side of things. Yeah. Which, of course, you know, like can like kind of verge on I'm just telling you to make tweaks and you have to like do the tweaks, which is like not, right. you know, uh, you know, if we were in which the is- studio together, I think it would just be like, hey, let's try this. Let's try this. Let's try that. You know, totally, totally slows the process down, but it's effectively kind of the same thing. As the one doing the the tweaking, it's like a fun challenge at times. Sometimes it's it gets frustrating, N- not with with what we were working on, where it's someone's like, oh, can you give it like a whoosh sound? And like, you do what you interpret as that. And they're like, no, not like that. It's like, like it's like, well, that's what this is. Like, <laughs> are we not hearing the same things? Yeah. Um, well, that's such a fun thing with any language, you know, like. Truly. Act, and we, then, yeah. I mean, that happens with any sort of music collaboration, too. I'm sure, like, you as a drummer, there's no other way of people telling you what beat they'd like to hear than them mouth drumming it to you. Like, it happens all the time and it's always fun and amusing. And I think mostly what I get is, you're good, do less, you know? Yeah. <laughs> They're like right now you got to fill on every measure. Maybe we could do like one every like right. 40. I'm like, okay, that's actually really, I need some direction. Yeah. I want to say that I skipped over something that was really important. And you, when you were making oh, all those yeah. cool sounds, it reminded me that I added a. You did. Thing. You added the whistle, which is great. It was actually hard because I kind of went through like logic and all these different like yeah. synth sounds, like MIDI synth sounds and tried to mm-hmm. find the find one that went weep, wee, which none of them did. And so I had to kind of like make it go weep by combining like one that went up and one that went down and then sort of like cutting oh, off the beginning funny. of one. Yeah. And so like, that was just like a funny thing to try to make. And it was like, you know, it's literally one second of the song, but. And it, it is funny, like how much time it takes when you're in the weeds with a song, the amount of time you spend working on a two second sound clip. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The the whistle is, it's featured when it comes in. <laughs> yeah. In our mix. It's like a solo. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but a lot of times it's like, I spent a lot of time finding like, it's like, oh, like what's the right sound for this arpeggiating part? And it's like, it's buried so deep yeah, in yeah. the mix. Most people might not even notice that it's there, but you know, those little, those little ear candies. Yeah. Yeah. Are, are what make the songs fun. Totally. Little secret treats. Yeah. Head, yeah. Headphone treats sometimes. Headphone treats. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I mean, also too, was I think maybe the whistle part of the original song <laughs> could be close to the most annoying offensive part of the song for you, right. right? Like so, but it was sort of like, could I throw this back in there and would it still be, would it be okay like to have this for anyone that was a fan of the original song? It's like a nod to a song, which we know is a nod to a bunch of other songs we've never heard. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> carrying on in that tradition of just like, What? Like, I like to imagine someone hearing this version of this song as the first version of the oh, song they yeah. ever hear. They might be like, this song is great. And they might not understand why that thing is there, but yeah. they might still appreciate it. Let's hope so. Anyway. Totally. Yeah. So anyway, there was that. And then, but how do you feel about it? I mean, compared to the original, the one that you hate, how do you like this? I like the music portion of it a lot more. Of course. Mm-hmm. I made it. So <laughs> I, I made it to, to my liking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's good. Um, 
Again, the lyrics are so stupid. Mm-hmm. And if I was like, when I was really listening to them, it's just like, oof, these are some dumb words. Oh, yeah. But I guess my, my test for this is, if this came on a Spotify playlist, would I skip it? Mm-hmm. And I don't think I would, especially not on the first couple of times I, I heard it. It's a good review. I guess it's worth spending a little bit more time just like talking about the lyrics because when you're reading through the lyrics of this song, there's a lot of like, yeah, 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 ooey, 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 like, yeah, wee, yeah, wee, yeah. Wee, baby, baby, baby. Like, I took a lot of those out. Mm-hmm. I take liberties as far as like, if they repeat the word baby 17 times in a row, I could just do like three or something. Totally. So I did a lot of that. Like, I did a lot of carving. I saw an interview clip of Steve Miller talking about this song. And he said that he originally had these lyrics on a different song, and then they came up with the music for what became the Joker, and then he just like moved the lyrics over. Mm. So even for him, like the lyrics are just kind of whatever. I, I always say this, lyrics don't matter unless they're really good or really bad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And to me, this is in the really bad category. I'm interested in like, as far as songwriting goes, like I tend to flock towards music that has a little more, uh, more emotional depth to it. As far as like, you know, mm-hmm. I love Elliot Smith. I'm in love with the world through the eyes of a girl. The music is kind of, it's capturing a feeling. And then I like when the lyrics fit that feeling. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And definitely. when that when that doesn't work out, it's a pretty stupid situation. You know what I mean? Like it's Yeah. For me, I don't usually like music that's just like, "Hey, let's get a drink. Let's get on the dance floor. Let's like party." Like I know that's a huge like feel good. You know, lots of people like that kind of music and not everyone's listening to music just to like go deep into some deeper feeling. So I, I see the value in it, but for me, I don't really love that so much so the joker is definitely one of those songs where it's just like it's one of those things where like i guess the feeling of the song is sort of feel good have a good time and then the lyrics just mean jack shit so yeah it's like kind of two areas where i don't like to be or one area where i really don't like to be so i have some some listener feedback here not surprised by any of the the responses one person says, give me two margaritas and crank it up. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Isn't it? Another person similarly says, well, it's a vibe. Someone says, makes me want to shake my tree, call up Maurice and lovey-dovey all the time. Oh my God. Delete them from your fucking... Our friend Hez says, it's fine. Anything reminiscent to sublime or quote, weed music is generally terrible. <laughs> Interesting. And... One friend, she just said, honestly, I love it. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Well, I mean, isn't that what this is about? You know, like this podcast shouldn't be, it's not a hate podcast, right? It's not a celebration not. of hate. It's more of a an investigation into taste and person, you know, personal Correct. taste, right? So it's, I, yes. I'm so interested by it. Like it's, it's, it's interesting that you and I can just agree in this case, at least like this song's trash, right? And, um, and then it's like so funny that people like, like it. I guess I kind of knew this was like a popular one. This is a song that you have to hear a lot and that could play into why you dislike it so much. Mm-hmm. Not a huge shock there that people are into it, but it's also one of those, because <laughs> it has some of that, I don't want to say middle of the road, but close to middle of the road energy where it's sort of like kind of shocking that anyone would like love it. Do you know what yeah. I mean? But it sounds like people are just like, I'm, I'm cool with it. Like, you know. It's like, yeah, it's fine. It's a vibe. Like, whatever. You're out, you're drinking, you're hanging out, and it's playing, and it's cool. 
I don't know if we can actually do the thing in which we're changing people's relationships with these songs, or the original version, but even having added an element of fun to spending some time in the world of this song, hopefully that yeah. made things a little better for you. Yeah, I mean, it's fine. Like, I can be around this song. I definitely roll my eyes when I hear it, and especially after talking about it. I mean, it comes up in almost every episode. Mm-hmm. We at least mention it. Sure. And I don't know, I feel like part of me had almost even started moving on from the song. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't even register it as a song anymore. <laughs> it's just like, oh, here's this entity that exists in the world that I talk about a lot. You're like somewhere between frustration and pain and trauma is the Joker. Yep. <laughs> it's just like another feeling that I try not to dwell on too right. much. Yeah. It's just like, you're just like, well, it do be like that sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes the Joker plays. Yeah. That's showbiz, baby. So I don't know. I mean, this has been fun. Like this has been, has it, has it been cathartic to just sort of like finally unpack your least favorite song? It's been nice. Again, like we've talked about it a lot. So I've thought about it a lot. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I was prepared for it and maybe I'd already unpacked it all ahead of time, but it's always fun working on music together. Totally. And do I regret doing this? A little. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Let's have the episode stop right there. Like the yeah, last Sopranos. Yeah, a little. <laughs> no, no. It's like, do I regret doing this? And then nothing after then that. Nothing. Yeah. It's good. I'll fix that on post. Cool. Do I regret doing this? I'm a joker, I'm a smoker, I'm a mid 
Thanks so much for checking out our podcast. Turd Polisher is hosted by me, Gabe Katz, and Navid Manucheri. It is produced and edited by Navid Manucheri. Our cover was mixed and mastered by Paul Hale at Greenhouse Recording in Petaluma, California. You can follow us on Twitter at, at @polisherturd or on Instagram at, at @turdpolisher underscore podcast. You can also check out our covers on our Bandcamp, turdpolisher.bandcamp.com. Of the Papa Goose of Earth.